This is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Well, hello, hello, gentlemen. Welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back. Oh my god. It's been a long time. It has been way too guys. long. It yeah, feels like so forever, seriously. I don't know if the listeners realize that for the first year and a half, we recorded every week, What, regardless if someone couldn't show up or there was only two of us. Um, and so this is the first time we've taken a summer break, which was much needed. Uh, I missed it. Jeez. Something is missing in my life. <laughs> time to get back on that bike. Hopefully I still know how to ride. Yeah, For exactly. Real. Yeah. Got some uh, trepidation going back into this. <laughs> gotta, gotta be honest with you. <laughs> Well, I'm super excited to be back. I'm excited for what we have on the calendar coming up for the fall. Um, We have some really good shit coming up. And, oh, the fucking bracket challenge again. Matthew, why do you (laughs) do this to me? Why do you do this to me? Wow. This has created some arguments, some fights, some legit, like, I have actually once again had people DMing me and yelling at me, and I'm like, I a I'm not doing it, and b I'm not in control of it. <laughs> so I never thought in a million years that we could top, um, in you know, uh, listener interaction and controversy, we could top the first one that we did because <laughs> I mean that was controversial. <laughs> Red hot chili peppers. Out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think that we have topped ourselves here with this greatest front person bracket challenge. Yeah, I think you have really angered some folks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, some of these matchups we've had Oof. have been pretty. Yeah, that's it, they've been tough. There's no they else very to say. Tough. So yeah. aside from. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I was just going to say um, for the listeners that don't know what the hell we're talking about, if you follow us on Instagram you will see that we do now it's going to be a regular thing apparently because Matt's trying to give me a heart attack (laughs) that we do these (laughs) regular bracket challenges. So just go to our Instagram page and click on our, click on our logo and uh, you'll see what we're talking about uh, every day, right? There's a new one every day. day. And I have um, offered to fight people on the show for a few of these and so far nobody has taken me up on the challenge so uh still waiting right here guys the ring is open come on the show and fight me because uh some shit just went down that i am infuriated about but yeah what the hell matt what the hell (laughs) just what what the hell so yeah we need 
you know, when we're on a hiatus like that, we need to do something that will create some uh, listener interaction, something to keep people interested in coming back for more. Um, but we never thought in a million years it would turn out to be what it has become. Um, you know, a major talking point amongst the, you know, metal rock Instagram community, which it has become, uh, really. So, like, uh, for example, when you match yeah. up someone like Freddie Mercury and Vince Neil, uh, it's going to create some controversy. Okay. So, one of the first, oh, go ahead, Ed. Go. I was going to say, speaking of that, I was just thinking. I don't know how Vince Neil broke into the double digits. How in the uh... fuck do you vote for Vince (laughs) Neil? Number one in anything. And number two against Freddie Mercury. Yeah, of all people. Give me a fuck. It's like saying, hey, would you like to have this beautiful Belgian waffles and an Eggs Benedict and and this gorgeous, you know, brunch cocktail? Or would you like a stale Pop-Tart that fell on the floor (laughs) of a gas station bathroom and some hot kool-aid i had that Uh, i had that peg that's like a 95 five as far as percentages go because i knew there was going to be a couple people that would you you, know i mean there's always going to be a couple people that do that but the way it turned out i'm I'm with you sailor 100 percent on that one (laughs) um yeah you know and then Chris Cornell against Eddie Vedder. That's just some oh, bullshit right there. That's that some the unfair bullshit. Okay, let me defend myself for a second here. So, other than the whole Chili Pepper saga aside from the first bracket that we did, the number one, um, you know, problem that most of the listeners and the voters had with our first bracket was what I call the apples and oranges sort of argument like how can you compare these two how can you you know how can you possibly vote vote between these two because they're so different and so i made a point although it is randomized i did make a point to bracket them off via genre as best as i could um you know some people were unfortunately eliminated from this bracket because of that stipulation that i put forward in this bracket so when you have someone like chris cornell and eddie vetter going head to head it's because they're in the same bracket because they are technically in the same genre as we've discussed. So you're going to get matchups like that, uh, unfortunately, in the first round. You're going to have to make a tough decision. Hated it. Tough decision. Would the, um, it's better to make it early than make it later. So and you're also have to make it eventually. I'm sorry. You know, some of these are just fucking bullshit. Like some <laughs> of these are the most insane crap I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I I I can't. I, some of them I just don't have words for, and I wanted to just. I was nauseous all day seeing people voting the way they did. Like I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I can't. I can't with these. Uh, it's very Mike difficult for me. Steven Tyler and Pat Benatar. Uh, that could be one. <laughs> yeah. Who mm-hmm. in the f- Pat Benatar again? First of all, that bitch could do bat flat back flips while she was singing and while she was singing with the most perfect tone operatic voice you've ever heard and then you've got the man who can swallow a microphone really really he was and a showman not, though and let's not forget that he beat Luda Ford too in the first round as well before he faced Pat Benatar just a bunch so, of bullshit yeah so she's an accomplished guitar player she's a I mean please oh god 
too much. I can't handle it. It's too much. Yeah, and it's it's only beginning now because we're in the Sweet Sixteen now, and we're gonna see some doozies. I hate you. Yep. And I hate so it. I hate all of it. I hate it. Yes. And and uh, like I said, come on the show and fight me. And you know who you are. <laughs> I've called out several people. Oh, wait, I have to mention one more for you, Sailor, and that's Robert Plant and Bruce Dickinson. <sighs> Once again, I mean, I get it that like I get that Robert Plant's whole appeal was, you know, he was sexy, supposedly. I was never into him. Sexy and sexual and blah, blah, blah. And great. But there's Bruce Dickinson. Dude has like 10,000 master's degrees. <laughs> has a voice that could tear down an entire city. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. Well, I'm going to get crude here for a second, but I think they're... And I, I expected this when this started, that constant kind of dick-sucking of Led Zeppelin, yeah. which I think is, you know, it's always been there. Yes. So we'll see for if th- that continues. It's like it's like drinking the Kool-Aid. They're blind followers. Exactly. Like, yes. okay, yeah, Led Zeppelin was a great band. That's fine. Fine. But not, They did great things, yes. They did great things, but they are not, they can't touch Bruce Dickinson. Not even with a 20-foot pole. No, I don't, they no can't way touch in Iron Maiden, no way. No, no way yeah. in hell. No way. I'm, yeah, I meant Robert Plant and Bruce yeah, Dickinson. Just go back and listen yeah. to our Led Zeppelin episode. If oh, you okay. <laughs> if you want a little more backstory. That was painful. Yes. The levees broke. I think the it was more painful broke. for Jake than it was for me. Yeah. <laughs> the levees broke on that one. <laughs> there was not enough whiskey in any of our households to no. help us on those several shows. <laughs> and we had to keep the pain going. How many shows did we do? Like four? I think so. Oh, <laughs> All right. Enough of the bracket challenge. My my blood pressure is going up. I can feel my heart rate rising. I need but we will that. have we will have updates on this as we go along. Yay. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> it better be for better. <laughs> This is called Love on the Rocks. It is all about us basically nerding out, geeking out on cocktails, on spirits, on all things alcohol-related, and more. And the history of those things as well. We want to defeat the yeah. evils of prohibition, yeah. bring back the good old drinks, yes. and really just empower people to feel confident that like, not only when you go up to a bar, you can order what you want, but also for our bartenders out there who feel like they don't have the tools or resources there are a lot of cocktail podcasts out there. Of course, we know you could be listening to so many of them with people who are well-known and famous and maybe cooler than us, I don't know. We want everyone to understand that the fanciest of cocktails, really, you can make it. Mm-hmm. You can drink it. You can understand it. Four parts passion, two parts history. One dash of sarcasm, one pinch of recipes, one drop of questionable advice. This is Love on the Rocks. I'm Sailor. And I'm Kayla. Welcome to the show. All right. Well, that was a fun uh, discussion. Go vote if you haven't. Um, but what about tonight's topic segment? Tonight we are reaching back into the past, back to the beginning of the thrash metal genre. Yeah. Tonight's subject is overkill, and it's another three-way battle, folks. Um, We will be battling their albums taking over versus 
under the influence versus years of decay. Yeah, we get to talk about East Coast thrash this yes. time. The beginning of the beginning, mofos. The, o- the overlooked the segment overlooked of thrash. Original thrash. Yeah, they might as well be called overlooked and not yes, overkill. And not overkill, exactly. It's true. I agree. Okay. So obviously the show is called Metal Rock and Whiskey. So we have to talk about what we are drinking. So we are going to talk about what we have in our glass this evening. Or a plastic cup. <laughs> this evening. Yes. We'll get when to you're that. in a hotel, you make a yeah. do with what you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Been there so many times. So Ed, since you are the lead man of glassware right now, why don't you start us off? All right. So since Matt gave it away, I'm drinking out of a plastic <laughs> cup. But um, it really doesn't matter. It does because not. Because the aromas coming out of this cup are fantastic. Um, I am the very fortunate beneficiary of a sample of Kentucky Owl Rye. What? That I am drinking. Wow. Shut tonight. up. Damn. Yes. I'm crying for that plastic cup now. Wow. I just heard the tears of a million distillers <laughs> <laughs> worldwide <laughs> as you drink that out of a plastic cup. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, on the nose, I it is just a... A spice rack was just dumped all over my hotel room. Oh, wow. Man, this is a... At first, it started out like caramel or maybe creme brulee. Um, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it morphed into the, the, the baking spice rack. Cinnamon, cloves, and even a little bit of mint in there at the end. It's just... I, I could just sit here and I could just smell this all night. It is so... So darn uh, beautiful. That's what I love about rye. Sometimes I feel like I could like wear this as perfume. Yeah. I don't know if I really would have pegged this as a rye to begin with. Really? Why do you why do you say that? I I don't know. Um I've only I've had a few ryes, but maybe I just don't feel confident enough in my uh my nose that I can tell the difference right away, but yeah, let's give this I feel a like taste. most drinkers, bourbon drinkers, blind can't pick out a rye and a bourbon. I would agree, especially yeah. Kentucky ryes. Um, unless it's a super high rye, you're going to be like, "Wait, something's different about this." Mm-hmm. Unlike an American single malt, you can pick out okay. right away. But well, taste is definitely a rye. Yeah, and it's still again. I'm getting all those baking spices. I'm not yeah. sure what the proof is on this, but it, it feel it tastes very, fairly high. Is it a hundred and it's over a hundred? I'm assuming. Is it it? What year is it? Oh, uh, gosh, I do not know. I was not told what year it is. It's it's high proof though. I mean, they're they're <clears throat> yeah. all pretty high proof. Yeah. Is it um? And they're all eleven year, right? I think. Correct. It's a it's one oh one. Okay. One oh one. Oh, so not. So not extraordinarily so high, high not really. like no. 80 or 90. Well, super yeah. high proof rise can really bite you back. So 
I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah they're all yeah they're all eleven and um yeah it's one hundred one point eight so fifty point nine percent ABV. I'd say the so, taste doesn't quite live up to the billing of the nose, but it's still still very good. I'd still drink this any day of the week. For those of you that aren't um, whiskey obsessors, Kentucky Owl is very <laughs> difficult to get your hands on. Um, there yeah. are people that drive around Kentucky at a specific time when they're being released looking for them. And some states you can't find it at all. Some states you can. Some states only have allocations. So you only get a certain number in the stores. So it's this is a uh, this is a coveted find. And these days... Either you're waiting in line for it, you're really good friends with your liquor store, or you're good at being the sneaky shopper. Yeah, but this is <laughs> this is getting better with every sip, though. I'll tell you that. And you're going to put um, out about two hundred dollars for it if yeah. you're if you're buying Easily. a bottle. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yep. Yeah, and a lot the, of people the... buy them online too. So, and that's it's a it's a good way to make sure you get one every time. But you're going to be paying two fifty for that pup, maybe even uh, more. Yeah. I think MSRP is like what one ninety eight or something. Something like that, yeah. Like that, yeah. All right. Yes. All right. And of so... course, not available in the Northwest. <laughs> of course. Of course. It's like it, it, everything kind of saturates the rest of the country, then just slowly trickles up to the Northwest, right? I That's had. I, I had to move. It almost to feels that way. Whiskey desert, but I'm changing that. I am single handedly changing that shit. So. You're welcome, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. It's almost like you were meant to be there to spread. To suffer? Wh- whiskeydom. S- Sailor's <laughs> whiskey pipeline to the Northwest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, All right, speaking, about the rest of y'all. Speaking of not being able to get whiskey out here, I'm drinking something that you cannot get out here. Um, so Matt had to buy it for me and then ship it to me. Because uh, yes. I desperately wanted to include it in my, the last whiskey class I did, I did um, a tour of American history. And I started out with Laird's Brandy because that really, truly, to me, is the beginning of American whiskey. That's the proper mm-hmm. way to start it. And then I went to Pennsylvania, you know, I went to New York, I went to Pennsylvania, I went down to Kentucky and Tennessee, and then I went over to Texas and I went up to Utah and ended in Washington State. And um, it was such a super fun class. It was probably a little too much for one class. Because <laughs> there were so many offerings. But um, I think for the novices, they were a little blown away by all the information. Um, I think it was a little bit more of like a, probably like a, I don't know, third, fourth level class or something. But everybody had such a good time. It was a blast. Um, so what I had Matt send me is something that you can't get anywhere out here, which is the Balcones American Single, Texas Single Malt, I should say, mm. um, technically. Um, I am a huge, huge fan of what they do. Uh, I, I Not only am I a huge fan, but they are a fantastic company. When I was preparing for the class, I contacted their national brand ambassador on Instagram, was like, hey, I'm putting this class together. I didn't think he'd answer me. A lot of times they don't. And I emailed the company and they did. He answered me. We talked for about half an hour. I said, you know, what what things can I not find on the internet that I could talk about in my class? And he was so excited to tell give me information, which I just, I loved that. And then 
they were so apologetic that I couldn't access a bottle that they sent me several bottles. What? My friends, yeah. I got this giant box. I did not expect it at all. You know, I sent them pictures of it. And I try to do that with brands when I include them in. I, I want them to know, um, hey, I did this class and this is what people thought of it. And they loved it, you know. Um, and Balcones just really, they they just took the time to appreciate it, which I appreciated. Um, so we are going to be doing a special show uh, coming up uh, probably in October or something. We'll figure out when. And uh, we're going to make it Texas night here at Metal Rock and Whiskey. And I'm going to get my brothers here some samples from each bottle. I don't want to give it away what they sent me yet, but man, <laughs> that was probably one of the best packages I've opened in a long, long time. Wow, so, shout out to Balcones. Yeah, mm-hmm. big time shout out to Balcones. Um, so I am drinking their uh, Texas Single Malt, which is made from 100% Golden Promise Barley, and they age it in several different types of casks. Um, it is, uh, what is this guy? 108 or something? Uh, I can't remember what he is. Yeah, something like that. 106. Um, it is unbelievably delicious. If you are not into American single malts, I, I highly recommend, um, you know, grabbing a bottle, just Google some reviews. This is a, this is a wonderful one to try. This is such a beautiful category, and I'm really excited to see more and more offerings in this category. Um, single malts is typically uh, scotch. Um, it can be Irish whiskey, too. Um, and so this is really new for the U.S. to be doing these single malts, and it's it's really exciting because for some of the places in our country, it just makes more sense. The dog agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> you tell him, sailor. That's what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the flavors of this are just phenomenal. Um, figs and caramelized sugar and nutmeg and like pears and peaches, but you know, like baked pears and peaches, like what oh, would man, be in a I pie. I can't wait to try this. I mean, and you get oh, them. There's God. nuttiness behind it. Um, it's it's so it's just it to me. It tastes like. Um, Oh, I don't know, like like a burnt sugar and fruit pie, I guess is the best way I can, I can describe it with, with like breading, you know, mm-hmm. like a like a bread pudding. All Let's say, yeah, like a caramelized, like a sugary peach pear bread pudding, because you definitely get the bread, you know, from that barley. Oh, it's just so phenomenal. And um, Matt and I were kind of talking about uh, people drinking the American single malt and at that same class. People were very confused. They were like, wait, which, this isn't the single malt, you know, because they had a whole lineup in front of them. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's, and they're like, this isn't bourbon. And I said, no, it's, it's not <laughs> bourbon. And they were just had this look of confusion, you know, <laughs> like, no, it's a, it's a different grain. And, and this is why we're so excited about this new category. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, educating the public on it. There's more to American whiskey than just bourbon and rye. There is so many other things out there that uh, we need to bring to the public. And, you know, Sailor and I are doing this and hopefully transitioning people to different things. And Balcones is one of those brands that uh, brings these styles to the forefront and um, does it really well. 
I call it balcones because I like to think it's like cojones. That's why I say it like that. <laughs> they do have cojones to do I know. stuff. They do. And That's I true. Told, I told the brand ambassador and he thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's so, it's, it's a, it's funny because we, we've discussed this on the show several times talking about terroir and, um, you know, I have strong feelings about where you, where we've manipulated growing certain things and, I think that this proves the case, you know, if you taste whiskeys from places where they go, well, this is natural to the area. This would have been natural to the area. Well, you can tell because it tastes natural and phenomenal. And it's because you're celebrating, you know, what should be coming out of your area, just like Westland doing their single malt, peated single malts. And they're like, hey, we have you know, all these peat bogs out here, but they're protected and they want to use them so they can get, you know, Washington peat um, in a responsible way. And so I just love that. And I, I'm a big fan of it. Anytime I hear of distilleries out here saying, oh, yeah, we're making a bourbon. I'm just like, why? Why? You know, <laughs> just don't don't bother. Make what which, what should be coming out of this area. And that mm-hmm. that gets me excited. And nothing against Balcones, but I would say that their bourbon that they do produce is probably the most boring of what they make. <laughs> I mean, not to take away from it, but I mean, you know, with all it, and then I was going back and forth with these guys as well that they, we just got into my store that I work in uh, a new overproof rum that they do, mm. which is like 62% ABV. And, uh, just saw it kind of hiding on the shelf without a tag. And I was like, holy shit, we actually have this. And I can't wait to buy it and try it. I almost it. cried when you showed me that <laughs> I know. picture. Oh, my God. I know. Well, have you had any of the blue corn offerings from? Yes. Yeah. See, I, I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'd like, I I feel like it's it's going along the same lines of the Bloody Butcher variety, you know, using these different varietals, using... Mm-hmm. Something that would have been, again, that is a bit more natural to come from your region. You know, white and yellow corn is not the only type of corn. And not every place grew that naturally in the U.S. until, you know, mega farms and commercial farming. So this makes me very excited that we're getting back to some more of the indigenous, you know, like the Empire Rye in New York. And, um, you know, like I said, what Westland's trying to do, you know, that that makes me super excited. So we'll have to see what uh, what the Southwest starts. I think they're a little confused at the moment when I see Southwest distilleries and what they're making. I think they need to come into their own. And um, I don't know. I see a lot of possibilities with, again, they should, I feel like they should probably be doing barleys and wheats and things like that. But, you know, maybe using tequila barrels and things like that makes a little more sense, you know? Lots of citrus. There should be a lot of citrus in what they do. So, yeah, we'll have to see in five, five, ten years what comes out. We will see what happens. Yeah. About you, Matt, what are you drinking? (laughs) Well, I'm about to take this conversation down about seven or eight pegs here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Reaching down to the bottom shelf. You know, to me, no, I like the bottom shelf. There's a lot of great things on the bottom shelf. Yeah. I'm not dissing the bottom shelf. Exactly. We all love the bottom shelf. Oh, no, this is below the bottom shelf. Oh, um, <laughs> so as the whiskey obsessor, I take, you know, my whiskey dumps pretty seriously. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I like to have fun with it sometimes. Uh, you know, all you have to do is see our Weird Al episode to know that <laughs> I can, you know, have a lot of fun with this whiskey life that I've been living. However, I came across a bottle that normal whiskey nerds would probably, you know, turn a blind eye toward. And myself, I was curious. I sent a bottle, a picture of this bottle to my cohorts here um, to mix reactions. Actually, not really mixed reactions, pretty negative reactions. Um, but as I held my head low. Yeah, Ed, Ed, Ed knows what I'm talking about. As I held my head low, grabbing this bottle to purchase it, um, you know, I did it, like I said, out of sole curiosity. And then I got home and I drank it. And it was just as delicious as I hoped it would be. So I'm talking about the peanut butter whiskey. Oh, fuck you. I knew it. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) You are not even going to say that's good stuff. Get out of here. All right. So give me the floor for 30 seconds here at least. Hey, remember the Georgia Dickel Tabasco. That did not sound good. That's totally different. Because that's actual quality whiskey. Different animal. All right. So I'm going to trace this back to my love for peanut butter. That's the only defense I can have in buying this bottle and actually enjoying it. Okay. Oh, boy. So, yeah, um, that's I mean, there's no other excuse for me buying that bottle than curiosity, opening it up and saying, oh, my God, this is what I hoped it would taste like. And I enjoyed it. So I held you're my fired. head low. <laughs> you're, you're fired. Get out. Get out. <laughs> hey, you like what you like. No, get out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they do have a recipe for a peanut butter Manhattan. Oh, fuck. Na- now. Stop. <laughs> I can't even articulate the words. Go away with that. Don't even continue. I'm going to call Kayla and we're both going to come kick yeah. your ass. Mixologists right, no. everywhere just cry it out in horror. No. All right. We, so, they, just felt, we, they just felt a collective pain and don't really know why. So all kidding aside, I like peanut butter. I took a chance. I liked it for what it is. It's right. not going to blow anybody away. But yeah, that's it. As I said, I prefaced this whole thing with taking it down about eight pegs. Maybe it's ten pegs. I don't know. Um, I think it's but about still. fifty pegs. Let's be real. <laughs> so we should tell the listeners. Hang on a second here. Let's back up a minute. Right. So one day, Matt sends a picture from the store he works in, the liquor store, and set and says, "Look at this, guys!" And it's this picture of this fucking peanut butter whiskey. It looks like a joke, and it smells like a joke. I can it's tell you. It's called screwball. Yeah. And I we're and he literally goes, What the fuck am I supposed to do with this? And I'm like, throw it in the trash. You know? So flash forward a couple weeks later and I'm standing in a total wine on the other side of the country and I'm doing a tasting and the 
person that was kind of assigned to like check in on us and everything, she was hysterical, comes over and she has this bottle in her hand and she goes, leans in and goes, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? And it's the same whiskey. And I was like, oh my God. And I immediately texted you guys. And I told her, yeah. I pulled up the text. I like had to scroll back and I showed it to her and I said, he works in Florida and you're here <laughs> in Washington state and you guys are saying the same thing. And then another guy walks over and that works in the store and looks at it and goes, what are we supposed to do with that? <laughs> First of all, it goes to show you the, <laughs> the impression we have of it, but also that's pretty poor marketing if everyone is going across the country. What am I supposed to do with this? I don't know, sell it to the Fireball fans. <laughs> the reviews are not good. The reviews are not good, I can tell you. They are my, my curiosity got the best of me, and I'm so pro-peanut butter, it's not even funny. So I, I'm probably prejudiced going into it. Uh, and damn, it's so good on ice cream, too. That's all I'll say. But you're drinking chemical garbage. That's the problem that I have with all of that shit is it's chemical, like Crown Royal. It's full of sugar and additives. It's oh. disgusting. It's the same thing. It's, you're not drinking distilled peanut butter. You know that, right? I it's know. I know. Listen, when I tell you that I couldn't make eye contact peanut. with a person that was checking me out, it's true. Good. Shame <laughs> on you. <laughs> it's true. But then I tasted it and I was like, okay. You that can literally, so there's this awesome website called Bulk Apothecary, and you can get flavorings. So all you have to do is go get a bottle of like Jim Beam bottom shelf or old granddad and get your peanut butter flavoring and drop it into your glass and boom, you have a better peanut butter whiskey than that garbage. There you go. And it's, I gotcha. And it's cheaper. So. But I got a 30% discount, so it's fine. He used your discount. <laughs> hey, why wouldn't he? Yeah, why wouldn't I? Exactly. I'm so embarrassed to have that on my record. <laughs> I would have gone to a it's store right. on the other side of town. I am not ashamed. <laughs> Except that you are, you know. I came out live on the air here to say that I bought the screwball peanut butter whiskey and actually kind of liked it. See what happens when we don't podcast for a month? Exactly. These, these are the things that happen. I leave I you to your s- own devices. I need sell it or slap them up. You fuck it all up. Sailor, just tell me I'm Ed's drinking out of a face. plastic cup. You're drinking peanut butter whiskey. Come on. Uh, all right. I let's will get... redeem myself next week. Yes, please. Yes, yep. please. Because this I can't take. All right. Let's move on to tonight's discussion. Okay, we are going to be discussing Overkill, like as said at the beginning of the show. If you don't know Overkill and you are a metal fan, I'm going to shame you as hard as I just shamed Matt for his choice of peanut butter garbage. And I'm going to shame you worse. (laughs) (laughs) So Overkill was formed in 1980 after the punk band The Lubricants, that's right, Lubricants, broke up. (laughs) <laughs> bassist dd verney and drummer rat skates Add that one to the list yes. of all the band names yes. oh my god <laughs> they placed an ad looking for a guitarist and lead singer and it was answered by robert kasarik and singer bobby ellsworth 
And that is the first incarnation of the band Overkill. I I feel like we should have one of those, like, you know, like SAT questions where you have to, like, match, you know, like... We like one thing with the other and we could have like the original band names with what they became yes. and see if everyone yes. can get them <laughs> we should also have a chart of the most difficult names to say and the most easy to mispronounce like you know what did i just say pisarek pisarek i probably that's i'm sure that's not his name pisarek i don't know <laughs> Pis, pisarek i hope it's probably place not piss I don't know. I would just went with piss because Pissaric. I don't I think know. Pissaric. I think rat skates is pretty uh, straightforward. Rat skates. That's pretty fantastic. Yes. I actually like that. <laughs> so there were other names though when they wanted to uh, form Overkill. Matt, what were those other names yeah. that they rejected? Actually, despite lubricants, um, they actually rejected names like Virgin Killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's pretty smart. I don't. I mean, yeah. I mean, forward metal. thinkers. Yes. <laughs> uh, but they decided to go with the name Overkill, obviously for you know metal and rock, hard rock fans. After the Motorhead album titled Overkill. Overkill. Yes. They kind of started as a cover band. They did some Ramon songs, some Motorhead songs, and then actually some Judas Priest songs as well. But those punk covers uh, were played with extra distortion intensity. And speed. I would love to hear, and I I didn't look that hard. I'm sure I I don't know if it's out there. Maybe there's like old live recordings. I would love to hear them doing Ramon songs. I would love to hear that too. <laughs> I would oh, really wow. love to hear that. That especially in his voice. Yeah, yes. what would that have sounded sped up too? Because oh like the Ramones were a specific formula for a specific re- I would love. Yes. I don't, I mean, obviously it was probably good because they became overkill, you know, and they had a huge following, but I would love to hear that. Mm-hmm. So as I almost say per usual, these, uh, these old bands back in the uh, <laughs> early 80s, these metal bands, they went through several lineup changes and they're with their guitarists before finally setting on Bobby Gustafson in late 1982 early 83. It was also right around this time that they started writing their own original songs and getting away from those covers as Matt and Silla were talking about. <laughs> um, and they begin as they began writing new material and they were pretty cemented in the uh the New York and New Jersey club scene and as we said earlier they are an east coast band um they were creating a following on the east coast and those followers wanted it fast and heavy hell yeah and at that time i mean you were when we say the club scene we don't mean like discotheques and pop clubs like you that's what you played back then we call them clubs not venues yep um so in 1983 the lineup of bernie skates ellsworth and gustafson released the demo power in black and this demo made a huge huge impact in the underground tape trading circuit just as the demos by the bay area thrash metal bands like exodus and testament were making I can tell you I was a part of that. Um, very early on, someone traded me an overkill, uh, the, a, a, one of these tapes, and I, I will admit, I didn't. it sat in a shoebox 
probably for about four or five years until I got much older and got into probably I think you know probably after I got into Metallica. Um, but they were they were really an important part of the foundation. Um, and that Power and Black demo gained the band two compilation appearances. Feel the Fire was included on New York Metal '84, and Death Rider appeared on Volume Five of Metal Blade Records' Metal Massacre series. Which I don't know where we would be without metal, the Metal Massacre series. Those were the best of the best of the best. Um, so the success of Power and Black secured a small recording deal with uh, Metal Storm Records. They were also called Azra that produced the 1985 four-track EP, self-titled Overkill, which quickly sold out. And I mean, like, right away. And then instantly the band is right there on the forefront of this new thrash metal movement. And, you know, after this, apparently the band never saw any money uh, from the release of the Overkill EP, which wasn't really all that uncommon back then, as we've seen before. And not necessarily a label ripping off the band. Uh, if it was just the initial release, that did not pay the band. Anyway, this EP attracted that of uh, attracted Megaforce Records. And you know, going back to what you said, Sailor, where would we be without Megaforce Records? Yeah, exactly. We wouldn't so have Megaf- a show, probably. We wouldn't have a show, exactly. Uh, so Megaforce actually signed Overkill to a multi-album uh, record contract, and then they released their full-length debut. Uh, called Feel the Fire, which hit the airwaves in 1985. Yeah, and this album was um, hailed by many critics and fans alike as a thrash metal masterpiece. And um, this was the album that cemented the band's position as one of the leaders of the East Coast thrash movement in the 80s. And if you were there then, you were chances are you are a fan. Oh, I remember. Definitely. I remember it well, being in the New York area at that time. You knew Overkill if you liked heavy music. So let's move to 1987, which was the year of Overkill's second album, Taking Over. This was the first album to be released by Megaforce in cooperation with major label Atlantic. On this album, you'll notice that the songs are greater in length and they have a lot better production because they had more money put into their production. Um, They also got an MTV video for this album. It was for the song um, In In Union We Stand. And uh, they had already been touring heavily. They they are one of the, we've talked about these bands that are just so hardworking on the road all the time. um, And Overkill is one of them. They toured constantly. Um, So they continued to tour for this album as well in U.S. and Europe. They opened for Halloween, Testament, Nuclear Assault, and Megadeth on their P-Cells tour in North America. So really big tours. So we get to late 1987, and they released an EP titled, Fuck You! (laughs) No, fuck you! Uh, And I say it like that because it's surrounded (laughs) by exclamation points. (laughs) Consisting of a studio recording of the subhuman song, Fuck You, as well as a handful of live tracks recorded earlier that year in Cleveland. This is also the year that drummers changed. Rat Skates departed and was ultimately replaced by Danish drummer Bob Sid Falk. They should have just kept the name Rat Skates and anybody that drummed for Overkill had to be called Rat Skates. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> and sounds... bands, have, bands have done that before. That's yeah. how they should, 
They should have just been like, and our drummer, Ratskate. Seriously, Ratskate sounds like a hockey mascot or something. Uh, um, the only better drummer name I can think of is Nico McBrain. I yeah. still like Ratskates. <laughs> I, still, I still prefer Ratskates. Ratskates definitely has something there. <laughs> anyway, so now with our new drummer, Overkill released the third album, Under the Influence, in 1988. Alex Perialis produced for them again, and he worked with the band's uh, first two albums. Uh, this album was a lot more raw and had a faster, thrashier pace. They continued their success with another MTV video, more tours with pretty much all of the t- big touring guns of the time. Yes. Um, so let's go to 89, and they release another album. I mean, don't, don't you just miss that back in the day? Every year there'd be a so new album. Year after another. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, no, and no. just constant yeah. tours. You didn't have to wait for tours. You knew. Oh, I don't ca- didn't catch them this time. I'll catch them next year. Um, so they released The Years of Decay, which would be their fourth album. This time it was produced by Terry Date. He would later go on to produce bands like Soundgarden, Pantera, White Zombie. Um, so this album has the best production value to date for the band, for sure. Um, the songs are, are longer, and it's a more serious atmosphere, more complex song structures. That's I think that's the big takeaway from this album. Like the song Elimination... It was real. That song was released as a single, and the music video was a huge hit on Headbangers Ball. I remember um, that just being on heavy rotation. Uh, the song quickly became a fan favorite, and you guys, did you know that it has been played live at almost every single show since its release through all of these years since '89? Isn't that nuts? Well, it's a great song. I could see it's why. Weather standards. Yep. Yep. And again, they went back on the road after Years of Decay and toured for nearly a full year. And this was a very, every time they toured, it would get more and more successful. They were playing for bigger acts. They were doing more dates. Um, and I think this might be the tour where they finally started headlining. Um, <clears throat> so that's 89. So now we get to 1990. Uh, this is a big transition year for Thrash. Uh, as we've seen before in other episodes. Uh, so in 90, guitarist and songwriter Bobby Gustafson decided to leave the band after years of feuding with Vernie over the direction of the band. Uh, Gustafson actually felt that Ellsworth always sided with Vernie during arguments, so it seems that Gustafson was actually asked to leave the band. The remaining members added two new guitarists to the band, Rob Canavino, who had been Gustafson's guitar technician, and Merritt Gant. Scary changes. Scary yeah. changes during a scary time for the yeah. genre. Yep. Seriously. Yep. Not the mm-hmm. best time to be shaking up your band lineup. No. Yep. No. Well, anyway, the new incarnation of the band recorded their fifth album titled Horrorscope in 1991, again using producer Terry Date. Uh, this album brought a darker, heavier style like the single Horrorscope, it had an early doom metal sound to it, which was a big departure from the band's earlier singles, which had traditionally, be, traditionally been uh, more up-tempo songs. The yeah. single and album silenced fears of Overkill fans that the loss of a chief songwriter would destroy the band. I have to say, this is a pretty unique situation. I think you guys would agree to lose, like you said, a chief songwriter and for them to change sound and style again and everyone loved it all the fans loved it 
Um, that's a very unique thing to happen, especially at a time where everyone else was getting softer and more radio friendly. Um, they, yeah, I, th- I think it's really interesting. Um, this album is actually regarded as one of Overkill's defining moments in their history as a band, and it's considered their heaviest relief re- release. And again, like they make their heaviest album at a time when everybody else is, is just, going the other is, way. Yeah, it's yeah. turning into elevator music. I fucking yeah. love it. Um, <laughs> so after continuing the rotation in '92 during the Horoscope tour, Sid Falk left the band. Um, he admitted he was never really, <laughs> I love this, <laughs> was never really a fan of thrash metal. He just felt playing that type of music would push his abilities to the limits. Come on, Sid. So Come on. He used it as as rehearsal. It's fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> so I know, right? So MOD drummer Tim Mahler stepped in to replace Falk. I mean, good choice. Yep. And uh, in 1993, I Hear Black was released. That's their sixth studio album. It was produced by Alex Perialis, who previously produced their albums Taking Over and Under the Influence. So they went back to their earlier producer, which is an interesting, it's an interesting change. Um, so they go, I don't, this is where I started to get like, what? They go back to, um, this is a different, it's like a stoner rock style. You know, if you're familiar with this album, I just don't know how they would do their heaviest album and why they would make such a shift. I don't get it. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to sum things up here because, you know, we're talking about the three, three of the albums we discussed are just going to be in our battle. Um, and so they've released 19 studio albums and 12 videos and, uh, their most recent release, as you probably know, was February of this year titled the wings of war. Mm-hmm. Um, overkill has sold well over, um, 925,000 albums in the U.S. since the beginning of the sound scan era. So that's pretty much only like what late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, they've sold more than five million records worldwide again since sound scan scan throughout their career, and they're considered one of, if not the East Coast pioneers of thrash metal. And I'd like to formally say now that the idea of a big four is just fucking garbage. And that's what we were setting out to prove. And I think we have proved that by covering all of these early thrash bands from the early 80s. Um, there is no big four. Yeah. There is there's a what a big eight or a big 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Leaving overkill out of that when they when you look at their formation and when they started playing thrash, um, that they're they're right there at the same time they're earlier than metallica and then they're right there at the same time as metallica well it should really be two separate categories i think so i mean you're talking bay area thrash which is some bands and then you can talk east coast thrash which could be a different group headlined by these guys obviously i mean i don't know i think i don't know that i would segregate it like that I think well, at the time I mean, thrash was thrash. I think some bands didn't necessarily belong in it, and the bands that were chosen to be the big four are, are just was has it's always been bizarre to me why they were chosen as the big four. I don't I don't get it. I've never understood it. Um, but so we've done the backstory, and um, next is the battle. Um, so again, Matt, what are we battling next week? Again, as Ed said earlier, we will be battling three albums taking over, 
Under the Influence and Years of Decay. I am very curious how this is going to go down. Um, who's an Overkill fan here? Anybody? I am now. <laughs> uh, I am a huge Overkill fan, but I will get into the roots of that next week. This is going to be interesting. And mm-hmm. Matt, you're going to have a whiskey pairing for us oh, next week yes. as well. I am going right? to have a whiskey pairing I've been waiting a long time to do. Yes. Well, I cannot wait to hear this. Mm-hmm. All right. So, listeners, don't forget about our disgusting bracket challenge on Instagram that's just a bunch of <laughs> bullshit. Make sure you vote, I guess. <laughs> but vote vote the way Sailor wants you to vote. Yes. That's that's what I mean. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Take us out of here. All right. So thanks for sticking around, listeners. We hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as we did. And as always you can find us on Instagram and Twitter as metal rock and whiskey and we also have a super cool facebook group under our name and follow us individually as well you can find me at the whiskey obsessor that is whiskey save the e sailor you can find me as sailor retro all over the internets and our facebook group is under the name the spirit of rock network that's what i was gonna say and you can always <laughs> find me on instagram <laughs> at bourbon geek and listeners, if you have come to love us, or even if you just still like us, please hit that subscribe button, give us a review, because it really does matter. And of course, tune in next week for another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey, and listen to the battle. And as always, fuck you, Lars. Later, everyone. Bye. Bye.